The Black Writers Studio podcast is supported in part by the DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts, Amazon Literary Partnership, and supporters like you. Visit us at hurstonwright.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Welcome to the Black Writers Studio, a podcast presented by the Hurston Wright Foundation and hosted by Dr. Khadija Ali Coleman. The Black Writers Studio is dedicated to showcasing Black writers who are transforming the world today with their literary pen and creating a legacy for the culture. Zelda Lockhart is a writer, speaker, teacher, and researcher. She is the director of Levinson Press and her Story Garden Studios. She is the author of several books, with her first novel receiving critical acclaim, including becoming a 2002 Barnes & Noble Discovery Selection and a finalist for the Hurston Wright Legacy Award. Her book, Cold Running Creek, won the Black Caucus of the American Library Association's Honor Book Award for Fiction in 2008. Her book, Fifth Born, too, was a 2011 Lambda Literary Award finalist for lesbian fiction. She was named the 2010 Piedmont Laureate and a 2012 Distinguished Alumna of Old Dominion University. Zelda Lockhart's novels emphasize the struggles, sexual trauma, and triumphs of African and Native American women, and her research focuses on inquiries into intergenerational healing. So, I, so this is so funny, but I um, get very excited when I'm talking to a writer who has a wiki page. <laughs> so, um, so on your wiki page, it, it talks about your books, yes, and your awards that you've you've gotten for your books, but it also, the, your wiki page also talks about um, your work as a healer, and um, you have a craft book that you've written that um, really gives um, guidance on how to use writing as as a healing tool so i so i want to jump in and just first of all get a sense of yes that look at that visuals and for people that are listening that can't see the visual tell us what you just put up um so it's the this is the first edition of the solo the full-length manuscript and it takes um writers through the process of using their life wounds um to create literary um poetry fiction or memoir and it just takes you from the blank page straight through to a short piece. Or if you're doing a longer piece, then that exercise takes up most of the book. And it takes you through all of the stuff, even the therapeutic things that you need uh, as you go through the process. So tell us the name of that book again. It's The Soul of the Full-Length Manuscript. So tell us, let's let's start there. What, what even led, guided you to even um, see a need for that and to create a book? that that has that focus you know there's a story for everything (laughs) so um so you know there's there there was a um there was a a a personal spiritual impetus and then there was a professional uh impetus 
um, that has to do with <laughs> the lie of white superiority. So, um, so the the personal spiritual uh, impetus for writing the book is that you know I have been teaching or, or facilitating workshops, um, just intuitively led to do that. Um, since maybe I was about 22 or so and opening my home to that space. And uh, and so as I had been uh, doing that work for so long, I realized that I needed some kind of way to pull together the exercises because a lot of times I would I would make up exercises based on what the women were needing or they were um let's say if they were away for a week if we were doing a five-week uh, process and then generally in the middle of the week I email them with just anything that has come to heart or come to mind through the work that we have been doing or some uh, some wisdom or you know or collective wisdom and sometimes it's like they would need to understand something new about whatever it was that they were going through and how it is the writing process can help them out with that. And um, and I would create, you know, these exercises to do like the mirror exercise is one of them. Or the other thing that would happen is I'd be doing uh, some professional development and I was always using, you know, it's all art-based, like, I'm, you know, trained in the police department or something like that, um, training for lack of a better word and using, um, their own life stories and helping them to come to a place of more uh, empathetic uh, involvement with each other and with their community. And then trying to uh, create exercises that would bring them to that naturally that come, come out of the get you out of your head and into your heart. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I was creating a lot of those. And then here comes the professional part. Um, and then one woman who had taken one of my workshops, um, she, um, well, let's say she took one of the workshops. And then uh, about two months later, there was a different group of women taking the same workshop. And uh, that that woman was a, a white woman, uh, a writer uh, who uses, does workshops and stuff too. And uh, one of the one of the black sisters um, was taking a workshop, the same workshop about um, a couple months later. And she, uh, she said, what's this? So she handed me a sheet of paper, what's this? And I was like, oh, this is the exercise but I didn't give it to y'all yet, I don't think. And then she was like, yeah, so what is this? She goes, really look at it, what is this? And I looked at it and then at the bottom, it had the other person's uh, name and uh, you know, email me if you have any other questions. Da, 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 da. And I was like, oh my God. So I confronted her. You know, so was so was the woman who the um, the white woman writer who shall remain nameless right now, uh, who did workshops, and um, and so now I was doing a at UNC. I was on a panel. Dorothy Allison and I were on a panel, and I didn't. It was about maybe maybe it was that following the spring, so it was maybe like five months later or something like that. I still hadn't had a chance to confront this woman, you know, about what she was doing, which needed to happen immediately because she's out there using my stuff. And she was in the audience. And I was like, oh, I got to keep my eye on you because you're not going anywhere. <laughs> and so when it was over, um, you know, I, I, I walked up to her and I took the, the exercise out of my, I had it in my backpack. And I was like, and I did what my student did. I said, what is this? Oh, um, that's the exercise that you gave us. And um, yeah, so, so, you know, I'm, transformed it into something that I could, I was like, no, 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 no. This is the exercise verbatim. 
It's like straight from my email that I sent to you all. So she, her ex- reasoning was, um, this is what we do. You know, we as, as writers and as teachers, you know, no one really owns any knowledge. No one really. And I was like, oh, you know, messed up now. But I asked myself, and this is something that other people, I talk about it in the Soul of the Full Length Manuscript. These kinds of moments are opportunities, you know, so that I had to ask myself, what am I doing or not doing? What have I internalized that would make it so that I haven't owned, for lack of a better word, and we know that it is uh, BS to own, but it's not BS to show that you are worthy of something and that is your thought process, you know, but to, to, to lay claim to the reality and the truth that that is mine. And I said to myself, you're not, you're not putting it in a book. You're not writing it down. You're not um, standing on your self-worth, you know, and, and also not wanting that to happen again. So anyway, that's how, that's the professional side of what happened. There's this, the spiritual reality of doing the work. I love, I love that you told that story and in an age where we have now, a hashtag, an organization, a group of people, cite Black women, you know, just the idea of taking, at least giving acknowledgement to, this Mm -hmm. is where this came from. And, you know, and and so I, I, I find it significant also, going back to this wiki of yours that I read, that even when it identifies you, um, as, your work revolving around women's studies and, um, and, you know, African, Black people, Mm -hmm. but it also mentions your work around Indigenous um, cultures as well. And so what a relevant concept to even think about when we think of Indigenous people, we think of ownership Mm -hmm. and and we think of um, just think how things are so easily taken and co-opted from not only those of us, you know, that identify as being Black people, but also um, those of us who are descendants of, of the Indigenous cultures um, here and, and elsewhere. So can you tell me a little bit about, so this book exists now, this work that you do is, you know, and, and by the way, when you were even talking about how your workshop, how you check in with people, it sounds so exhausting. It sounds like it's so much that you're giving to other people. So how do we move from this experience, these books that you're putting out, to you creating space for yourself to write? How does that work in tandem that you give so much to other people? You're so um, ingrained in doing this work around um, women, Black people, Indigenous people, you know, we've talked at length where I know that you also are very health conscious, um, you know, regarding uh, eating and gardening, just nature. How do you make time to write? How does this writing come in? So you just put the, you just hit the nail on the head about making time. Uh, And that's a made up concept anyway. And so when I find myself needing to make time, which is nonsense, Um, then I know something's off. And so when I am doing my work, uh, like working with the women and all of that, it's not exhausting at all. Mm. Um, It is so uh, regenerative and so restorative. You know, I'm giving, they're giving to me, it's breathing is what it is. And it is incredibly natural and 
It is in the pace of all that is, and it all works out beautifully. When I am doing my work and I am exhausted, Mm -hmm. um, like some of the work that I'm doing right now in the university, I'm trying to regulate it while I'm there um, because it's either got, I've either got to breathe or I got to get out. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's with any, any academic. I feel like if you're an artist and you, you can see the difference between, wow, I'm fully oxygenated. My blood feels like you know, it's flowing through my body. I'm doing work that mm-hmm. I never have to get up in the morning and think, oh, I'm about to work, go to work. Instead, you, you're getting up and it's time to do your work and you're in full flow of that. When that's happening, it's important to note it, that you are at peace, that you have peace of mind and, and you are working. But it's the capitalistic BS that gets us into this space where some work is valued over others. So like I said, it's just the superiority lie, right? Mm-hmm. Some work is valued over others. Um, some people who are doing certain work is valued over others. So we find ourselves striving to come out of what is whatever our natural response of the work that we would do, whatever we feel um, organically compelled to do. We come out of that because we go, that ain't gonna make me no money, and that ain't then. Da, da, da. Yeah, but if you're if you're pulling yourself out of that, and you're going to do work, the exhaustion comes from that you are not you're not regenerating or restoring within the work, you know. And the work itself should be regenerative and restorative because you're in the cycle of all that is. If you're gardening, you're not just gardening; you're eating. You know, you're not just growing some food. And then going to bed every night and you never get to eat any of it unless you're a farmer in America where you're hungry because your farming is involved in capitalism to the extent that you're just a cog in the machine and you're not even eating the food that you're growing. Otherwise, you're gardening within a cycle. Okay? Work of any kind. Gardening, which is a good example of it. Or teaching people. You're teaching people and you're being fed by the light and the grace and the forces of uh, every time they exhale all of the amazing things that they have learned and all of those phytonutrients that come out of them once they grow, you inhale all of that. You know, your house fills up with light, literally, you know, your studio or wherever it is that you're working. But if you work in some place where there's just eat, 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 take, 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 and you're just seen as the producer of the thing that should be taken, you're going to get exhausted. Yeah. So my exhaustion is my litmus test. Mm-hmm. You know, when I feel exhausted within work that I'm doing, I tell everybody to leave me alone, sit down, shut up, because I got to figure out how do I get regenerated in this? And if I can't, then I can't be there, period. Mm -hmm. And my students like to, they like to point out that I say period a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, so essentially I was calling myself out when I said that what you, you expressed sounded exhausted. That's me projecting because that (laughs) litmus test was, is something, and it's so accurate. It's something that I have not done well enough to really set those boundaries. So it sounds like, um, you know, as you speak, when, when, you know, I asked the question, how you make time to write, it's not about making time. It's about being, um, 
it, allowing it to be intuitive and in whatever the process of living is for you. So, yeah, I write every day. Yeah. I always have, unless I didn't write when I was in labor with my daughter. <laughs> so it's kind of like I integrate it. And I talk about this in the soul of the full-length manuscript um, about like a practice. What is a practice of anything? We talk about a practice at the beginning. So when we talk about a practice, just, just so that you can get into the writing. So we talk about that practice. And I talk about how, you know, we learn practices. You learn to brush your teeth when you're two years old, hopefully. Um, and at some point in your life, you brush your teeth. So you don't say, oh my God, you know, my job is just too busy today. I haven't brushed my, t- my teeth in three weeks. It's like, mm-hmm. girl, what? You brush your teeth every day, no matter what is going on in your life. Mm-hmm. So I get up and do my yoga every day, no matter what is going on in my life. I write every day because it is that they're not separated. You know, mm-hmm. what am I writing about? I'm writing in order to not lose my mind and to stay grounded in the reality that I was born into, mm-hmm. you know? So it is a process of my living, you know, just like peeing and pooping and eating. It's a process of my living. So I have practiced making sure that I maintain doing those things every, every day. And so that's how I get my writing done every day. I've had very crazily difficult jobs in my life that were just like, who has to do this for a living? Um, and what I've done on my 15 minute break. So you know how those, jo- those jobs are. You get your 15 <laughs> minute breaks. You get your 30 minutes for lunch. <laughs> and it's like, where is Zelda? She is walking in the outside garden. She is, you know, she's sitting on the floor in the hallway at the place where they have her working because 15 minutes is not enough to go anywhere. And she has the music plugged into her ears. So we all have disappeared. And she is writing, you know, to create life and to save her own life. And then at the end of the book, not it's not really the end, like three quarters of the way through, after a person has gone through this entire transformative life process and has written the raw material for a whole doggone manuscript, then I talk about the practice. Then how do you, how do you practice whatever it is that you have taught yourself to do differently in your life so that you can fulfill your wants differently in your life than you were before because in the beginning of the writing you just got this want because you've been wounded and you're writing your way through all of the things that have happened you write yourself to revelation of all of these things then you try on all of these new things that you're going to do in your life but then how do you maintain the practice so you don't backslide you know what kind of practices can you create in your life and do them all the time so that you can maintain whatever this new way of being is, and you don't just end up back where you were at the time. I'm Mayella, you know what? I sure was drinking last night. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to know who Mayella is. <laughs> is this a character in the forthcoming book? I don't know. I love that imagery. That that's so That's so funny, but... I mean, you just share with us an entire process like that. That is amazing because in a sense, you're sharing that there are very obvious red flags that let us know that we are not being committed to ourselves, to who we are Mm -hmm. as, as human beings, as, you know, these human beings 
or these spiritual beings like having a human journey. Um, so I want to know, you and I have talked offline about your book, Recollect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I joke about Recollect Retreats because I really, really want um, Hurston Wright to to have you, um, you know, be in partnership with you because your work is so healing. But can you tell us about Recollect? What yeah. what Recollect is about um, and how it continues this message that you have for us in terms of just being um, true to ourselves? Mm-hmm. Thank you for asking about it. This is a really good time to talk about the book because I just, um, I don't give book a book to a reader, to its first reader, until I feel like I have a worked out enough of trying to understand what it is that I'm doing and sort of recreating the start from the beginning, read it all again, put in things, take out things, you know, um, until I get to a place where I'm like, now it's a whole piece. Now I need the help of somebody else on a very specific thing. So I literally just gave it to a reader about two hours ago to the first reader, even though I've been working on the book for maybe I started right at the beginning of the pandemic, mm. working on Recollect because I was putting my foot down in my life. So that's how the, that's how it started. I got to a point in my life where I was like, love, home, and work. Mm. I am sick of my loss of discernment in these areas and not understand. There's something I don't get. As much awareness as I have and as much journeying as I do and, and experimenting and trying to figure stuff out, there is stuff I just don't, I don't understand. And I don't understand why I don't have what I want. Hmm. And I, as many times as I have put myself through the same process um, um, of the personal plot process that I um, bring forward in the soul of the full and manuscript, I still didn't have, like there was something missing. Like, why don't I, why don't I have the love in my life that I need in my life? And some of that I had pinpoints. It's like, oh, it's because the, oh, can I cuss on this? Yes. Okay. So I'm working so hard right now. now I'm like, this is ex- that's exhausting. <laughs> I'm like, getting really tired trying not to cuss. But, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I know that a lot of it's because of all the shit that happened to me in childhood. You know, with my formative, you know, those your first loves of your parents. But I just couldn't figure out stuff, especially with home, and I had this house where I was teaching this this the, that I had studio space for almost 20 years mm-hmm. and I felt like it was time to leave it but I couldn't and I was like that has to do with something anyway there was all this stuff and work let's not even talk about that right you know the traumatization from the number of times that um starting at 19 that you get fired or laid off why because your your ass is smart smart as hell and you can't be smart as hell and be black in the white liar's eyes you can you can be that but please do not let us know that that is true of you and I'm all like this right so you're gonna know all the things you know all the things (laughs) so recollect um is about me trying to literally um recollect like feeling like um like I've fractured in so many ways that I might not appear fractured but that realizing that, oh, all Black women women are, where it's like your arm is over there, your ears are over there, you know, your foot is over there, fractured, continuously uh, impacted and, um, and blown up by the familial 
and the social stuff that we go through, that's all tracked back to the same thing. It's like, okay, my parents are, were broken and were injured because their, their parents' parents' parents were broken and injured by one of, even though slavery happened lots of times in humanity, but one of the most atrocious sins against humanity. Mm-hmm. How many was it, is it, um, correct me if I'm wrong, is it, was it almost 20 million people? They lost count. They're like, it was like 20 million, you know, people, people ripped from the breasts of their mothers. Talk about attachment issues and trauma and, and long-term trauma. And that we live in a society where if once I walk out my front door, I am in enemy territory. Mm-hmm. And if your parents were broken enough until you were eight, when you were eight, until you were 18, until you walked out their door into enemy territory, your ass was also in enemy territory. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean for somebody like me who is like, wait, what's the matter with me when it comes to love, home, and work? Why can't I figure this shit out? Mm-hmm. It's like, because um, you're the, the ways in which you are socialized has you internalize all of the sins against you in order to keep you from rising above them. So the book, so Recollect starts with me being nine years old and trying to deposit something with my sister, which is my omniscience is what I figured out, what I was just kept trying yeah. to say to my sister. She's only a year older than me. And I wake up in the middle of the night and all of my life, my waking, upon waking, I feel like I'm fully omniscient. There's stuff that I, I know, I figure stuff out and I hold on to that. And then I go into my day with whatever it is I heard or said, and I trust that. And then the stuff gets resolved because it's like, I'm gonna do what I heard to do. But I woke up when I was nine and I was trying to say something to my sister and I had limited words because I'm a nine-year-old, you know, spirit and body and nine-year-old body with one language that she hasn't quite figured out yet. (laughs) (laughs) And I was saying to my sister, if we all did, what we were what we're supposed to do, everything would be okay. Like if we all did, and she's like, "Are you sleepwalking?" I'm like, "No, listen. Yeah. If we all did, we're like, like she she goes, what do you mean? Like if we like ate cake in the morning? No, I I was it was so frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. I knew what I was trying to say, and I couldn't figure out a means by which to communicate it. And of course, I'm telling somebody who's ten. <laughs> Someone when I was five was the first time that my father molested me that I can remember as the first time. It is the it is the time in which my memory allows me to know what happened, you know. So I had flashbacks to that moment when I was uh 
when I was 21, that just blew my mind. I never knew what a flashback was. It wasn't, isn't like you're just remembering something. Um, but that's, that's when that happened the first time. When I was nine, it was literally like maybe two or three weeks after that moment that I'm desperately trying to tell my sister these things. And I had all this frustration and all this stuff that was going on because I needed people to understand something. And it's what I, of course, is what I can articulate now. It's what mm -hmm. this conversation is about, was what I was trying to tell people. Mm -hmm. Because some part of me was, I was so desperate knowing that something was going to happen. You know, I, there are other nine-year-olds somewhere walking around like this. I know there are, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I knew something was going to happen. And then that year, my father killed my uncle. Um, oh, my my father, uh, I was molested again. Um, it was it was just like bam, 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 all year long until what my brain did was it went no more. Mm -hmm. We have to have a childhood. Mm -hmm. We have to have a childhood. So all this trauma and all this trauma that keeps happening, we'll experience some of this. All this, we have to survive, and you have to have a childhood. Yeah. And so then what happens to a brain? What happens to black women's brains? If brains, hearts, spirits, if, if we can't rec recollect that. Oh, say, and this is so the women that I have, have worked with for years sometimes start saying, oh, no, I can't write this stuff. It's too painful. Oh, but wow. when they do the entire process, they realize, oh, had I not remembered and worked through all of this, not just remember for the sake of remembering and exacerbating pain, but remembering for the sake of that is my mind and my heart and my soul. And it is coding. There's coding in there mm -hmm. for the rest of what I came here for. Mm -hmm. When my brain cordoned off all of that horror, it took with it the thing I'm supposed to do, which wow. makes everything fine. So the nine-year-old is saying, if we could do what we're supposed to do, she's saying that so she won't forget. I was saying it for me. Mm -hmm. I never forgot saying that. My sister never forgot too. To this day, she goes, do you remember also coming to me in the hallway saying, where's the what? Mm. Like, do you understand? I'm saying to my sister, Francesca, do you understand? I'm asking you, where is the what? And she's like, Mom, <laughs> doing it again. <laughs> well, well, have you found your what? Have you found what? Do you know what you're supposed to be doing? I feel like I like the writing recollect, which I also lived it because mm -hmm. I went to love, work, and home in my life mm -hmm. and put my damn foot down. Mm -hmm. And what I called an experiment. And in each case, it almost, I felt like it was going to kill me. But that's what facing your, uh, that's what coming up to the threshold of fear will feel like. Mm -hmm. It will feel like I am going to die, you know? Mm -hmm. So I went back to a previous love. And I was like, I'm working this love shit out. I don't care what. I will stand on point until I understand the thing that I need to understand, the, the storm, the fire, the everything, and I'm standing still. And it was like that with this person. So. <laughs>
And be damned if I didn't understand. Friends were like, girl, this is gonna kill you. What you doing? And I'm like, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't getting, I'm not leaving this storm until I understand me. I'm not trying to understand the other person. I'm trying to understand me. And I understood. And ancestral, my father, my brother, who has long since passed away, they were coming into the dream, showing me scenarios and all kinds of stuff that helped me to understand. And I was like, okay. I get it. Same thing with home. I was like, I'm going back to that house. I ain't leaving this house until I understand why is it that I am this way with this house when it is time to go. And I intellectually understand that, but I can't. And then I understood. I went back to a job that was just like, girl, you left the job, but they dangling a lovely carrot, you know, mm-hmm. UNCW. I was like, I'm going back. They had, they said they want me back. And now I'm gonna do no second interview because I'm black. They're like, come on, come on. I'll say black lives matter, but we sure do want you back. And I had to sit up there until I was like, oh, I understand. I understand. Because what I had been doing in all those scenarios, and this is for anybody who's listening, is I had been saying, what is wrong with me? Do you know how internalized the gaslighting from my familial and my social was that kept me saying, what is wrong with me? And it's like all of nature saying, nothing, baby. You're just following your desires. And your desires don't match the people who do not believe that you deserve to follow your desires. You know? And so... You're at a job that causes you pain where you get exhausted. Don't go to those kind of jobs, baby. Where the whole rest of the you know society around me, who's also gadless, guys, is going, you're gonna turn down that kind of money, you know, but you hit that's the glass ceiling, you're all the way up to now. And it's just like, but I'm exhausted. And it's just like, why isn't that enough? Every other living being follows its desires for food, for air for water for sunlight for medicine and if we as black women are taught not to do that because you are you cannot be in service to the capitalism machine if you are aware of what you do and you do not want you know and it's just like so so that is like this whole preaching in order to help you understand like what the heck is the book recollect it's my journey from nine years old to now. So it ends in my 57th year and I'm 57. It ends when I, with my daughter, (laughs) jump out of an airplane and skydive. Ah, When was this? When was this? On my birthday uh, in June. Really? So this was this year? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so we'll, is it anything like the first book that um, you talked about where there are activities? Is it for the reader to um, engage in process with you? Or is it a memoir for them to read your experiences and then um, do with them as they may? Well, one iteration of it, the first iteration of it, had like at the end of every chapter, here's a ceremony and here's a lesson. And I had to stop. I had to stop that and let go because I was like, Zelda, the, the ceremonies and lessons, people are people will pick up on 
in my in my life, you're using I I inadvertently or I won't say inadvertently. I guess it was me um, following what is uh, what is true for me even when I came here. So I'm following art. I'm using art and using nature. You know, um, leaving my house in St. Louis when the shit is going down inside the house and going outside and you know, the beautiful universe of the mulberry tree and the, the pods of the milkweed and the smell of the concrete after it rained on the west side of St. Louis and, you know, and being uh, comforted by, um, by what it is that I'm truly a child of when where it is that my, um, my other biology of being a child is not working for me. So those, those ceremonies are inside of everything that I'm doing to survive and then later to thrive. And the lessons are too. Sometimes even spelled out in my life as lessons. You know, so I'm saying to my, so I had to say to myself, um, let the book be as it is when someone is with, someone, someone goes uh, and visits with someone because they, and this happens in the book, because they know that this person, even though they don't know this person, is someone who is going to continuously offer them the things that they need to know mm. and the place that they need to be. And so it's like, just tell the truth of the things that have happened with you and the journeys you have had. And that is more than enough. People, the women who need that food, medicine, and kinship will hear it through the story. So you don't have to go, now this chapter is about the ceremonies that you need to take. And this is about the, you know, and come away from the didactic and, uh, and allow for the, as, as we were talking about the indigenous um, spiritual reality of how it is that we can be together as be together as human beings, you know? Yeah. Very beautiful. Where, where can people get this book? Um, right now they'd have to go rip it from the hands of the reader who I just gave it to. <laughs> hopefully after, so Trinity comes out, um, Trinity is, uh, almost like the novel version, um, of this, of this book. That's about three generations of men. So that comes out this, this coming summer, summer, 2023. And, um, and my hope is to, uh, now that I have the book in the hands of readers and it can begin more quickly volleying back and forth with things that need to be tightened um, in the story to get that plot a little tighter and to figure out what things readers don't necessarily need, even though they're an important part of my journey, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, is to go ahead and sell Recollect um, fairly soon, you know, like sometime within the next four months or so, so that it sells. Um, and then a couple months later, Trinity comes out. And so then, then about maybe a year and a half after that, Recollect will come out. Um, mm, okay. You know, um, but yeah, Trinity, that book is the story of uh, three generations of men from like um, right after, like the year after the Emancipation Proclamation um, to um, the 1990s and mm. what they're trying to breed out of their um, behavior in their life is, is violence as black men, but if that violence is being enacted upon them so consistently with everything that they do for me that even thinking that, oh, that's the ticket out of the South is that I'm going to, you know, go, uh, I'm going to join the army and I'm going to, you know, fight in the Korean war or that I'm going to, 
you know, if, but the violence is um, at the same time that society punishes black men for violence, they actually put them, the way that they put black women in the machine, they put them in the machine to be the violent warmongers. Mm. And so, uh, and so then it is uh, the ways in which that has it within the households, within the families. So one of the, uh, the characters, the parent of, uh, of the main character, uh, Benny, uh, when she is gone through the hands of, of some violence of one of those men, I won't say which one, the rest of the, um, almost the rest of the book, she's trying to, the girl spirit that she was carrying when she was murdered, She's trying to push that spirit back through mm. out of love for the person who killed her, who was one of her own, um, to try to, because she understands the larger picture. And the girl child comes through in the last uh, third of the book and takes over the book. She opens the book spiritually. It's mm. what opens the book. And then we see the whole trajectory of these men's lives. If you think about it as a current here, mm -hmm. all the while the spirit trying to come back through, you mm -hmm. know, back through until when she comes through, it changes everything for all those generations before and all the generations to come. Sounds so beautiful. And I can easily see that um, <clears throat> as a visual, as a, a film or a series as well. It's just so, it, it, it sounds so tangible and, um, and, and compelling. It's, yeah. it's interesting because um, I recently shared on the Hurston Wright um, Instagram page um, this excerpt of Toni Morrison speaking in an interview, um, talking uh, talking with the interviewer about spirits, um, and it was in reference to her writing of Beloved. But the interviewer asked her, does she believe in in this this spiritual aspect of of life, our ability to connect with ancestors mm -hmm. that are not um, still on earth with us? And mm -hmm. she 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 shares that um, everything, all of her education and everything had tried to teach that out of her or mm -hmm. to, you know, but she eventually, yes, has come to the awareness that yes, that exists, um, and even had um, a story to share with the interviewer of being a little girl and having a, an engagement and interaction with the spirit of, of a, a, um, a deceased relative. And mm -hmm. so to hear you speak so easily about um, spirit and to integrate it so naturally with within your work and to even be able to talk about your early um life where and you talk about being omniscient but just this level of awareness i think that that in itself will open up readers to the possibility of of who we are as humans um not just being trapped in in our earthly presence but being able to all of our senses into intuition and in, in, um, awareness mm -hmm. of behind, what's behind the veil as being another sense. So I, I, I just, I, I enjoy talking to you. I think last time we talked, we said like, this is really good. Like we could talk forever, but I want, I want to, as we wind down, I want you to tell listeners, um, 
the books that you do have out, we know that the two that are in the pipeline, where can folks get some of your books that are out um, and, and direct them to where you want them to go? If it's a website or if it's a certain bookstore, where, where do you want folks to um, get your work? Um, I want folks to, to go to uh, independent um, bookstores and go to their websites and, and order the books. Um, um, yeah, it may take you um, maybe one, maybe two minutes of the time that we have uh, created. Can I just um, say something? Let me just, just, yeah. You trip me out where you are already, when you say anything, you are already for somebody to give you some shit. And <laughs> <laughs> you are already for somebody to have a problem with what you're about to say. So you already have your spiel plan for that person that's going to give you some problems with what you're about to say. And that cracks me up. So I just had to say that. So even with a seemingly innocent ask of where to get your book, you were already prepared for somebody to have something to say. And you have, and this is your message to them. So I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, so end scene for me and, and, and continue, please. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. That may be because I grew up in a large family. Maybe because I they and they would answer back to that. No, she's just contentious. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but go ahead. I'm sorry I interrupted. So tell folks why they need to to um get it from yeah. the Burke's bookstore. Yeah, get it from your independent bookstores. Um, and so there's um there's Fifthborn. Um, that's the first novel. There's Cold Running Creek. There's Fifth Born to the Hundredth Turtle. There's um, soon to be um, Trinity um, is going to be out soon. The galley's already out. Um, there's Diamond Doris, um, Mama Bear, The Soul of the Full Length Manuscript, and soon Recollect. Yay! Yes. Um, and uh, Yes, you can, I don't even need to tell you the other thing that you could do. I mean, we all know that you can get this from there, this from there, this from there, this from there. You can get anything from there, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Then yes, can they go to your website to, to learn more about you? Absolutely. So you can go to um, zoldalockhart.com and learn more about me. And you can go to herstorygardenstudios.com. That's my studio uh, for Black women. Um, to write, heal, uh, liberate using nature and writing. Um, so herstorygardenstudios.com. And are you, are you actively doing workshops now? Yeah, well, I was going to say this week, um, this weekend, the, um, the list of, um, of uh, winter and spring uh, workshops go up. Awesome. Uh, which is going to be some wonderful stuff. There's a decolonization um, for Black women um, journal uh, writing workshop. There's um, there's some write in nature. There's some write in museum in museums uh, workshops. Um, all that center around the same things and themes, which is for us to um, step outside of the ways in which we have been taught uh, to think and be, and uh, and come home to who we are. And with that said, um, you had also you you said something a minute ago about uh, trapped. Uh, um, in our in this in this earthly life, and I just want to say that uh, that 
spirit does not know time. Mm. So when we are in these bodies, the opportunity, sometimes when I have prayed for assistance with something, I feel like I've been knocked upside the head, sometimes with literal voices saying things to me Mm -hmm. um, as coming through as spirit. But the, the reality being like, Boo, you are the one that you have the hands. You are me. You are spirit. We're we're all just a bunch of spirits. You have something we don't have right now. Mm-hmm. You have the tools to manifest things in physical form. Mm-hmm. You can move that cup across the table. That's hard as shit for me to do. Because I'm just spirit without body. You have hands. Some of some of you have hands, mm-hmm. eyes, nose, ears, mouth. Mm-hmm. Language, mm-hmm. feet. Mm-hmm. You have a mind. Mm-hmm. And the trick is that many of us got here and we got tricked into not using those things mm-hmm. and to not manifesting spirit, mm-hmm. and to not doing what all the rest of existence is doing. Mm -hmm. is manifesting and being in the cycle of manifestation Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so on that note that is that is what a what a perfect um ending to our conversation I think that that is so beautiful I can't wait to come visit you in that studio and to talk more but it has just been such a pleasure, Zelda Lockhart, the author with the perfect name. What a what a perfect writing name. You know, that's like a character in a movie, Zelda Lockhart. <laughs> but it's been a pleasure, my dear. I I, I wish you infinite um everything. You just you I love listening to you. People will listen to this um interview and notice that there's a lot of absence of my questions, but I just um have just been so enamored with everything that you have to say. And I love the fact that um, that you responded to my own projections um, regarding the lack of boundary or just awareness of my own power to manifest. And that's what I'm taking away today from today's conversation. And so I can work on it. I'm going to try to get that book. Can you tell us the name of the book that you showed us earlier again? Oh, yeah, this, it's just The Soul of the Full Length Manuscript. Um, there's another edition of it pretty it looks the same the lettering is is different and um, but it's the soul of the full length manuscript and uh, that's going to be on a couple of um, holiday lists for some people that I know and love so I'm going to get that for a couple of folks this holiday season but so nice talking to you you enjoy the rest of your day Dr. Khadija (laughs) bye